So I have three little girls. They're nine, five, and two. And we have been preparing um, for Christmas for these last several weeks, I'm sure like many of you. And the other day, uh, my middle child, who's five, said, uh, Mom, I want you to be Mary, and I'll be baby Jesus, and my two-year-old will be Joseph. She always gets the raw end of the deal. You know, you have to, you have to assign her whatever role's left over. I said, okay, Haley, we'll play. So I, um, I rock baby Jesus, my five-year-old. I put her in the manger on the couch, and, uh, and she's, you know, laying there sleeping pretending to sleep. And my two-year-old runs into the kitchen, and I hear her, and I don't know what she's doing. She runs back. I'll show this picture. And she has a spatula in her hand. And I said, Mercy, what's that spatula for? She said, baby Jesus needs a spanking. (laughs) 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 To, To which I then had to describe to her that theologically, Jesus never got a spanking because he was perfect. Uh, I think she was just taking an opportunity to swat her sister, you know. Oh, so she's definitely her father's child there, but just kidding. You know, Jesus tends to show up where and when we least expect him. I love how when uh, Jerry did that monologue today, and she was being Elizabeth, she was speaking from Elizabeth's perspective. She was talking about how so many things in the story of Jesus were unexpected. And God made a statement by sending his son into the world this way. He, he, he didn't overlook the details. He, he, he had a plan. And everything he did, though we looked at it as unexpected, he knew what he was doing. And so today, the the takeaway, the the thing that I want you to share and remember and repeat, and maybe even talk about as you celebrate Christmas this week, is that the Prince of Peace enters into the unexpected. The Prince of Peace enters into the unexpected. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And we see Jesus constantly doing things, not in the way that we would expect him to do or in the way that we would plan to do it. Uh, For example, we talked a few weeks ago. No one expected the coming king to be born to an average teenage, unwed young girl from a nothing town called Nazareth. People didn't expect that. They certainly didn't expect him to be born uh, without any dignity and placed in a feeding trough for animals, which is what a manger is. That's not where they expected this coming king to begin his life. They expected him to be honored upon his arrival, but they didn't expect who was going to honor him. It it wasn't shepherds and self-proclaimed wise men that were supposed to welcome him. In fact, the religious leaders who knew these prophecies by heart completely missed it. It was the shepherds who realized that this is who they have been talking about, that this is the coming king. And he is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was long expected, but the when and the how and the where and the why were all very unforeseen. But the good news is, even though people weren't expecting him that way, the Prince of Peace enters into the unexpected. 
You know, we tend to fill our Christmases with all sorts of expectations. Um, in Erie, we expect snow and not rain. <laughs> and if we're going to deal with this white stuff all year round, we better get it on Christmas or it's just a ripoff, right? So we just want it. We want it today and today only, but not enough that it hinders our schedule, just enough so it looks like Narnia, so we can be proud of the winter wonderland we live in. This is what we want. We have expectations. We expect that new recipe Um, that we saw on Pinterest to turn out flawless despite its 37 steps and that really obscure ingredient that takes you, like how, what could this cream of mustard really do? <laughs> like this, you know, but you, you expect it to turn out just perfectly. We expect Christmas cookies not to add any of those pounds that we ran off in October <laughs> to add any of that on. We expect the most perfect, thoughtful, generous, doted over gift from our significant other. Even when we say we don't want anything. Sorry, men, if she said that, get to the mall today. All right, That's, she does not mean it. She does not mean it. <laughs> we expect our kids to behave, appreciate the hours we shopped for that last Hatchimal. We expect nap time to line up today, right, for our kids not to fight just one, just one day, just one day not to fight over the breakfast. I think no matter how old we are, we expect that magic feeling when we go to bed on Christmas. And that somehow we can feel some type of peace, even if everything in our reality really feels like it's falling apart. We have expectations of Christmas, spoken and unspoken, things you may have said out loud this year, maybe things you just thought or hoped in your heart. But the idea that Jesus broke all the expectations that everyone had for him teaches us something. That Jesus isn't particularly concerned for what we hope will happen. His main concern is what he knows we need. And I believe that he came in a manger to communicate this to us, that the power and the simplicity of all that he is, there's nothing more unassuming than a baby swaddled and clothes in a manger in a town that no one has ever heard of. But we typically do not choose our most desperate places, the places of our fear and our sin, as places to encounter Jesus. We, we want to show our, our shiny parts, the things, the parts of our life that we feel like we have together. That's the part where we feel like we'll see and hear God. But even though we don't expect God to show up in those difficult places, those are the places he knows we need a Prince of Peace. And Jesus is in those places, those places of our sinful stumbling, those, those places of our persistent weaknesses, those, those places of our perplexing questions, the, the parenting quandaries that we're not wise enough to think our way through. Jesus is in those moments, and he is in all the unexpected places and the places we think we will never find him. He's in all the heartache and all the pain and all of those moments that we need a Prince of Peace. Now, we've been looking closely at the names of Christ um, that were prophesied in Isaiah 9. If you've been with us the last several weeks, we've talked through these names. But nearly 700 years before Christ was born, Isaiah declared these words. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. Follow along on the screen with me. It says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. 
from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. In the last of the four titles, he is called Prince of Peace. And that's just what I want to touch on briefly this morning. Is prince means ruler. So that means Christ is the ruler of peace. He is the one who has authority and power to dispense peace. And that holy night that Jesus was born, peace entered the world. Peace entered the scene. I just spent a few weeks in Israel last month, and the word peace in Hebrew is the word shalom. Some of you know it. Shalom means peace. They, they greet each other with it. In fact, if people were trying to talk to me, they didn't understand them. I just said shalom. So that's, that's the magic word there. Just say it. They'll know what you're talking about. Shalom. And, and in that moment, that shalom is actually completeness. It's wholeness. It's the sense of all is right with the world. It's that word for peace. And Isaiah is calling Jesus, the coming king, the prince of this shalom, the ruler of it, the person who can dispense it, infuse it, and become it completely. And so I just want to point out three places in the scripture where the prince of peace shows up, and specifically where he shows up in the unexpected times. And so the first, right after the disciples fed 5,000 people with some bread and a few fish, they got into a boat, and they found themselves in some rough waters. Um, The wind was against them. The scripture says they were straining with their oars. It was not a peaceful day on the lake. Um, they They were not fishing at that moment because they knew that they wouldn't be able to catch anything. They were cold, they were wet, they were tired, and their boat was probably in danger of capsizing because of the storm that was brewing. And we read in Mark 6, 48 through 52, that shortly before dawn, he, talking about Jesus, went out to them, walking on the lake. And he was about to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. And they cried out because they all saw him and they were terrified. And immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. And they were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. So that word hardened here means unresponsive. They they, they were lacking spiritual perception. They, They were lacking sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. So they were actually with Jesus in the flesh, watching him do miracles before their very eyes. But yet their hearts were hardened. He was feeding massive amounts of people with just a few fish. He was calming the sea. He was walking on water. He was doing all of these miraculous things. And the Prince of Peace was showing up in every unexpected place. He was providing, he was protecting, he was calming things. Yet, the disciples didn't even recognize him. The scripture says their hearts were not tender to the reality of Jesus. Their hearts were not prepared to receive him. And so Jesus miraculously walks out in the water, comes to save them in the middle of the storm, and they just think he's a ghost. They were close to him, but they were unaware of his presence. They were close to him, but they were unaware of his presence. They could hear him, but they couldn't grasp his promises. They couldn't understand what he was trying to say to him. And so this Christmas, I want to ask a question to you. Are you close to Jesus, but unaware of his presence? You're here this morning. You're, you're, you're here. You're trying to participate in celebrating Christ's birth. So you are close to Jesus, but are you aware of his presence? 
Have you stopped looking for him in the unexpected places and therefore you're missing him completely? Have your spiritual eyes been partially hindered or your sensitivity to God's voice been crowded out by other noise? Jesus speaks to them in this passage. He says, don't be afraid. In fact, in Hebrew, the the word actually means don't resist me. Don't resist me. Probably because he knew that they would think he wasn't Jesus. They, They thought he was a ghost. So instead of them trying to push him out of the boat, he says, don't be afraid. Don't resist me. I'm coming in. I'm climbing into the boat with you. And I believe he says that same thing to us, to you and to me this Christmas. He says, don't be afraid. Don't resist me. I'm close by. I'm near you. It's, it's me. Let the Prince of Peace climb into your unexpected place. Don't resist me. Don't miss me this Christmas. I want to come in and I want to settle the waters. I want to save the day. I want to change the situation. I want to help you deal with what you're facing. And so in that unexpected moment, the Prince of Peace climbs in to the boat. And I believe he can do that for us this morning as we ask for his presence. The second place I want to look at where the Prince of Peace shows up in a familiar psalm uh, in the Old Testament. And this psalm is written by David. You've probably heard it before. Um, and it's really from David's personal experience. He uses the word I and, and, and me. And, and he talks about what this is happening to him. And it's Psalm 23. You can follow along on the screen. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And what David is saying so clearly right here is that we don't plan the crisis. We don't intentionally dive into the valley of the shadow of death. We don't ask for it. We don't say, well, it would be convenient to have this difficult situation happen right here. Crisis happen whether we want them to or not, but what David is saying is that when they happen, the Prince of Peace will enter into the unexpected. You know, I've never learned anything about trusting God from the easy times, only from the hard ones. And so I read recently this, when we go through a valley, God is waiting for us to stop saying, what is the meaning of this? And start saying, What is the meaning in this? To stop saying, what is the meaning of this? Why, God, are you doing this to me? And to start saying, okay, God, what is the meaning in this? What is it you want to show me? What is it you want to teach me? When I was in Israel, we we drove through the Judean desert, and there were these valleys that they told us some were so deep and so dark that the sunlight never hit the bottom, ever. And this is the kind of valley that David found himself in. And maybe this is the kind of valley you may feel like you're in today. Maybe it's difficult to celebrate Christmas this year because you are in a valley, maybe even the hardest valley you've ever faced, the valley you would call the valley of the shadow of death. But I want to remind us in this, this passage, what does the shepherd do in the valley? He's in the valley with us. It doesn't say he's yelling up from the top, figure it out. He says, I'm with you. And I have my rod, and I have my staff, and I am comforting you. And the picture here is is that they're in extreme danger, but, but the sheep is in the valley, but the shepherd is with him, and the shepherd is leading him out. 
And David is reminding us so clearly that, that we may not have expected to be, to experience the valley. We may even be saying to God, why did you let me get in this valley? Why am I facing this situation? And we may not be able to hear or see God or sense that he is near us. We may think he's very far away. But David is reminding us and showing us again that the Prince of Peace enters into the unexpected. And he has not left us. He has not left you. And he will lead you through the valley. And the scripture ends in Psalm 23 that through the, through the darkest valley of the shadow of death ends with the house of God. So the last thing, the third place we see this truth, we already talked about this a little bit this morning, is when Jesus came to earth in a manger. And he came into the world at a desperate time in a desperate way. And it wasn't the way people expected it to come and It wasn't for the reasons they expected him to come. But Christmas isn't about tradition. It's about salvation. Christmas is about love, the deepest, rawest kind of love that, that Jesus says, I'm going to come down not to serve, be served, but to serve, to give my life as a ransom for many, to, to give us a love that no one expected and a love that will exceed all of our expectations. And this is the way he comes to us this Christmas to love us in the way we most need. And this morning, if you have never decided to trust Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, there's no better way, day to do it. Today, as we celebrate Christ's birth, it is the perfect opportunity for you to turn your heart and your life to Christ. And all you have to do is say a simple prayer. Jesus, come and be Lord of my life. I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. I want to live with you in eternity forever. And Christ, in his perfect, overly exceeding and abounding love, meets you right where you are and begins to complete the work that he started. And the Prince of Peace will enter into the unexpected. At the end of these next few days, the presents will be opened, the cookies will be eating, the visiting family will leave town, and you'll be tired. And all that you planned and prayed and prepared and all of that will be passed and the glitz and the glamour of Christmas will be over. But at the end of the day, the Prince of Peace will still be the same. And the Prince of Peace will still reign. And this manger reminds us that God meets us in the unexpected places all year round. That his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. We do know that Jesus has come and he's come in his fullness, and he's come to meet our needs, and he has come in the most desperate places and the hardest valleys, and often the times that we don't expect to see him, even when our hearts are not completely turned toward him, he comes and he exceeds all of our expectations. And so today we're going to just worship together to end our service. But before that we do that, I just want to pray over you. So would you just close your eyes and bow your head and just receive this from Romans 15, 13. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen.